This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, brought to you by Profits Plus Solutions. Increasing your profits, plus building your business for the future. We are Profits Plus. You can find us at ProfitsPlus.org. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the profitable business network. Now, the host of Small Business Conversations, principal of Profits Plus Solutions. Here is Tom Shea. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to January 14th. 2021. We're going to start a new year. We're going to start this year off right. This is Small Business Conversations. This is a monthly group visit, a fireside chat, as you will, although the two people I've spoken to before the show are both sitting in Florida, so I don't think they're having a, they're there by a fireside. But um, we talk every month for about an hour, and we find someone who's an expert with information that is relevant to what we do in our small business. And our guest is a kind person who will take and donate in this hour to answer your questions, visit with us, and the intent is that it's a wise investment for you of your time to take and get some information that will help you in your business going forward. So, that being said, let me tell you that um, tonight's Small Business Conversations is being recorded, as we have done for many, many years. It will be on the Profits Plus website, um, perhaps later tonight, after our information stud, Bruce Giroux, who is in Orlando, uh, Florida, does his little massaging. You can go to our website and pick it up as an MP3 file, so that you can put it onto your, your phone or iPod or I guess there's still iPods out there or any other thing that you would would listen with. Uh, and it's also there simply just a click and listen to feature on the site. We also have small business conversations picked up by a whole lot of podcast services. They include Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Listen Notes, Overcast, Pandora, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, Apple HomePod, Google Home, and now we're part of Amazon Music. All right, that's the list. So, that being said, let's take and uh, get right into our program tonight. I'm going to start by playing a little piece of music, uh, as we do to use every month to introduce who our guest is, and we'll ask him, why are we playing this? Yeah, the plans you got will not mean a lot when you take a shot that don't feel so hot and ready or not. You come to the spot, your coconut's waiting for you. Oh, somewhere there's a tropical fruit with your name on it. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to ask him what the question, why we're playing this song. It's a great song, and I can only pull out about a 20-second snippet of it. That, that, that line caught with me. Our guest tonight joining us from Florida, his name is Chris Ramey. Chris is the president of Home Trust International. Uh, it's a platform for brands that serve high net worth customers with the finest products and services for their homes. Uh, they have 575 member locations in every major wealth market in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, Chris has a long list of things that he has accomplished and done. For example, he, he was a retailer. Uh, he started a business at when he was 28 years old and was a... Uh, multi-million dollar operation that he sold some 12 years later. Um, 
Let's see, where else? Well, Chris was also with uh, Savai Formalware. Um, the Essence was a turnaround of a, um, a cooperative group, 200 stores, and uh, they merged it with Genghis uh, franchisees, and they had now came up with a cooperative that was over 400 stores of men's apparel. Chris's thing, his passion, he, um, he likes to help businesses compete more effectively and wants to help them penetrate the affluent luxury markets. And so he is a consultant to lots and lots of organizations. He is a part of many forums and volunteers for things like small business conversations and panel discussions and gives speeches at trade shows. Um, Y'all remember trade shows, right? Remember those things we used to get on a plane and go to and attend, and and now we don't uh, for at least for a while. So he has been um, to South America. He's gone to Europe. He's been all over North America. And his current list of clients have a presence in over 20 countries worldwide. Our guest, Chris Ramey. Chris, you are there, sir, right? I am, yes. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. I, I so enjoyed the last time you were on the show, and I was excited. Okay, I'm going to get to have Chris come back, um, and we'll explain why we got Chris to come back, what prompted this one. All right, but first, uh, you know, got to ask the deal about the song. Okay, song gets my attention. Would you take and uh, tell us the name of the song, the artist, and uh, I will tell people it was fun to listen to, a nice, good, lighthearted song, and as you were in Florida, I would go, yeah, this is kind of like a nice South Florida song. Tell us about the song and why, please, Chris. Well, the song is titled Killed by a Coconut. It's sung by Bob Gibson and written by Shel Silverstein, who you may know from a lot of children's songs. But it's really about how you're affected by outside forces. In this case, someone who's killed by a coconut. But for all of us, it's COVID instead of the coconut and how we have to change because uh, you never know when that coconut will come and eliminate us. Very creative. I had not thought of that. I, when when a, a guest picks a song, I kind of think, all right, what does this have to do with it? Very good. Okay, coconuts and COVID. Yes, and somewhere out there, there is one, and it's been out there for for all of us. So, Chris, tell pass the uh, the bio that I shared. Tell people a little bit about what you do. I help businesses, many times, largely retailers, uh, penetrate their markets, whatever it might be. So my clients range from uh, design firms to many, many retailers to a um, to, I, I, I have a doctor in uh, a cat doctor, in fact, in uh, London who serves royalty and. Um, and ultra-high net worth individuals. So it really crosses the universe as to what we do in helping people grow their business because the fundamentals are all the same, whether you're a dollar store or Bergdorf Goodman. Interesting you would mention cats. Before the show, I was talking with an individual who I know is listening to the program tonight, and this individual owns pet stores and as we were discussing, his comment was that um, in their area, all the adoption centers are such, he says, we, we can't find cats. 
which is a good thing that all cats have a home. But I, I suppose then in London at the same time that your client over there may have an issue with finding, uh, well, I guess if you're high-end royalty and you've got a cat, you didn't, unless you're trying to be politically correct, you did not run down to the adoption center and pick up your cat. Or it didn't show up on the on the doorstep of your of your home. You know, you can't really talk about these things because discretion and being discreet, the act of being discreet is the most important piece in doing business with those who are privileged. Right. So here's where we got into this, Chris. There was an article that came out about Dollar General. And Dollar General seems to be just about everywhere. I, I, I'm seeing that you know, Dollar General is putting a, a dent in people like Walmart because of the width of products that they have, have got. Uh, you're looking at a store that's maybe 8,000 square feet. We have a community, and I say a community, it's, it's a wide spot in the road, and there's probably... 400 people who live in this area, and they've got a Dollar General. I mean, I drive to some, to some obscure places, and if there's a store in the town, it's a Dollar General. And it's saving people the time and the mileage of driving a long distance to find the nearest general store, which to most folks, it's a, it's a Walmart. And there are lots and lots of, of these all over the place. And Dollar General announced that they were going to take and come up with a new format. They call it Pop Shelf, P-O-P Shelf. And in their stores, they are appealing to a higher-end customer. Not, you know, we're, we're not talking overly affluent, but just a higher-end customer than what generally walks in a, into a Dollar General store. And they are selling... Um, non-consumables as compared to the Dollar General store, which has, is now having a more sizable food selection to it. Uh, they sell seasonal merchandise. They have uh, home decor. They have cleaning supplies, party supplies, craft items, uh, health and beauty accessories, and things like that. Um, and their Dollar General obviously appeals to a dollar, but Pop's shelf is licking up in the range of like five dollars. You go, well, that's not much money. We go, well, if your market was a dollar and you're going to five, proportionally, that's a big, big change. And so, seeing that someone like Dollar General is making a move to say, let's appeal to a more affluent customer, my thought was, well, what about other people? Should they take and look at appealing? to a more fluent customer. And after that thought, I go, well, there's one person that I would call and want to ask this question of, and that's you, my friend. You're the expert. Well, thank you. That's quite, so what, an, quite a nice thing for you to say. Well, we just I like to get the best for people to talk to, and I go, if they're going to talk about appealing to affluent people, um, we should take and, and get you. So let me ask you a question. Um, luxury. Is this something that people need to be paying attention to? I think everyone should be 
Well, let me digress. First off, luxury is a business model. It's, it's not just something that you think is nice. And yes, I know people call things luxury, but it's a business model that I think everyone can take advantage of if you know it. Um, but everyone, regardless of whether you like that or not, everybody should be looking for ways to sell a little bit more expensive product. Uh, we, we don't, I don't think going from a dollar to five dollars constitute uh, wealthier people. It really constitutes creating desire for something that maybe they didn't need otherwise. Uh, five dollars is still an impulse item. So it, it's every, every business, no matter who you are, should be looking to elevate their average price point every quarter. Just look for those products because you know what? They just might sell. And some of our classes that we, we teach, you know, the concept of inventory turn being valuable and that every business should look for items that are sitting there doing absolutely nothing and, and calculating by one of the calculators, free calculators off the profitsplus.org website, what their inventory turn rate is. And saying, you know, if you got rid of your dead inventory, you'll have money of which money sitting in a checking account does nothing for you. You need to take and put it in something else, which the answer we're suggesting is not put it into something that you move a lot of and just getting more depth because that's not going to improve your inventory turn. But go find something different. Experiment with something new and different to see can you achieve that market. So what we're teaching goes right along with what you're saying. Try inching up a bit, seeing what else you could possibly add. Any examples that you would have that you could share with us? Well, the first example, and, and we have to address this, is you can't com- cannot compete online by having a gr- greater selection. So as you talk about turning uh, dead inventory into cash, think in terms of you can't compete online what can you do to grow your business when you buy your items? So to your point, starting to find a little bit more expensive, a little better margin products can make a substantial difference in your business. And everybody needs to be looking for those things. Examples. Um, sure. Uh, you know, I come from the floor covering business. Uh, if you're only selling uh, polyester and some of the uh, funky fibers, you know, sell more nylon. Get your margins up. Or they'll sell up, sell wool if you're selling nylon. If you're selling tennis balls, look for a branded tennis ball. Look for an unbranded tennis ball, too. Look for trends in sports. Pickleball is a big thing in South Florida. I didn't even know it existed until recently. But there are these opportunities if you look with a little broader perspective for you to expand your store and introduce your customers to things they won't see elsewhere. And that's really a, a great fun is the merchandising for retailers, at least what always was to me. Now, Chris, has it been your experience that as we move up the scale um, to add that luxury effect to our business to appeal to a more affluent customer, um, does competition diminish? Really depends. It's a great question. It really depends upon the category. Uh, it, I, I, I would suggest that look for the blue ocean. Look for the blue ocean products. Don't move into somebody else's place 
move to a void that doesn't exist right now, a product line that doesn't exist. I'll give you an example. Um, in the floor covering business, a lot of floor covering stores went into the cabinet business. Well, the cabinet business is one of the most crowded categories there is. But why not safes, for example? Do you know a safe store? Now, look, look for some of the easy wins. It's, every category has them. Uh, the, the, the golf store that doesn't need more golf balls but they may find there's a, there's a place for tennis players because the wife or the husband plays tennis. Look, look for different ways. I remember a couple years ago, I was interviewed by a dance magazine uh, for, for teachers who taught children how to dance. And the suggestion was carry milk because all these children's mothers are busy and they're driving their children around, but they always need milk. Find something that you can turn and that people would like to have based on where you are and who you are. Be as creative as possible. Are you mentioning a safe, like a safe you put your valuables into? Yes. I've only seen one. It's in uh, Mobile, Alabama. It's the only safe store I've ever seen. Um, a lot of times gun stores sell them, but anybody, a lot of people don't like gun stores. So there's an open category. You mentioned the, the, the strategy, the, you know, the blue ocean. Uh, am I correct in thinking that your thought process here is along the lines of the book, Blue Ocean Strategy? Yes. Would you, uh, for those who have not read that book, of which there is Blue Ocean Strategy, and then I'm struggling to remember. Let's see, the second book is uh, Blue Ocean Shift, and the authors are uh, Chan Kim and Renee, yeah, we're going to struggle with Renee's last name, Maborg, for lack of a better effort. Um, would you take a moment and give a little explanation as to the, the essence of Blue Ocean Strategy? In short, a blue ocean strategy is moving your merchandising to where other competitors are not versus a red ocean strategy, which would indicate a lot of blood. So if you go where competitors are, your margins drop. If you go where you have no competition or where you have limited competition, that's a blue ocean strategy. And I see that stepping it up one level above that. And you mentioned coming from the floor covering industry. Let's take a, a buying group within the floor covering industry. Uh, for your sake and my sake, I won't name any of them. But when you drive down the highway, you see stores that say, Smith's such and such store, and you can tell by the way the sign looks, they're part of a, a buying group. Does the buying group grow because new stores show up and get into it or does the buying group grow because we go to the competing buying group and steal one of their people say oh you don't want to buy from so and so you want to buy from here I, I see blue ocean red ocean there are you building the customer market or are you simply trying to steal customers from somebody else it's um, a quick example is a friend of mine who we think was, who is wanting a hobby 
you know, do I take and steal you from another business who sells that stuff, or do I take and get a different person who now becomes interested in the hobby? And generally when you're fighting Red Ocean, it's exactly like Chris says. It's red, and red means blood, and blood means low prices and low margins, and someone's going to die, and we hope it's, that it's not going to be us that's going to die. Um, let's define a couple of things for, for people, Chris. Hi, Can I answer your question before we go away from carpet? Sure. Florian? Absolutely. Because I, I worked for the largest marketing group in the business, uh, which their preeminent brand is Carpet One. Uh, I don't believe they copy much off of anyone. Uh, what they do is they're very creative merchants. They're very creative marketers. Uh, they're very creative with their branding. And they are very creative with helping their members penetrate the market with tools that most small retailers can't access. Uh, so it's, it's not about stealing from anybody. It's about creating a new blue ocean market that otherwise wouldn't exist. And generally, their stores will have higher margins and be more successful than uh, other stores in their market. And so that's why if I'm a floor covering store and I'm going, hmm, these people have better margins than I do and these people have make more money than I do, there's a reason why I want to be a part of an organization like that. It is well, not about buying better. Business. Yeah, it's not about buying better. It's about selling better. <laughs> yep, a Absolutely. So if you would, let's, let's define some things for people. Let's define um, luxury and high-end. Sure. Um, luxury is a business model that's focused on very high uh, commitment to marketing so that you can create desire for your product. Uh, most retailers... And a lot of small retailers tend to think that they will be found by virtue of their location or whatever, or that because everyone they know knows them, that everyone knows them, and that's just not the case. So luxury is also based on heritage, uh, creativity, uh, provenance of where the product comes from, authenticity of the brand, uh, brain sanctity. I mean, the brand is sacred in the luxury space, uh, being discreet. A great example was I, when I was in uh, Miami running the Luxury Marketing Council, uh, I, I always was uh, a bit annoyed that there's great groups like BNI, but you have to come with your leads. Well, if you have a client in the luxury space, you, you, you basically, you can't, not basically, you generally have a, a non-disclosure. You can't tell people who you're doing business with. Uh, it's also scarcity. Scarcity drives business exclusivity, a unique point of view. Uh, it's one of the difficult parts about a floor coverage store. Uh, very difficult to have a unique point of view when everybody's selling the same old stuff. Um, most Now going to high-end, most high-end stores follow a premium business model. So whereas in the luxury space, you would say, this is the best there is. This is it, if you will, in the fashion term. This is it. Um, in premium, high-end, you would say, this is just as good as it, except it's lower priced. So it's, it's more of a comparative rather than a superlative business model. N neither is wrong. It has to do with you know, your own business philosophy. 
does the usage of words or examples of non-essential and essential, do they get confused somewhere with luxury? All the time. Uh, generally, if you use the word luxury, it means you're not. So you won't see Bentley use the word luxury in their marketing, but you will see Lincoln because Lincoln aspires to be luxury. When you're serving ultra-high net worth individuals, if you use the word luxury and it's not luxury to them, it's just the way they live, then you have damaged your own values and your, uh, your relationship with them. Because they would look at it and say, well, I'll give you a great example. An air, a jet. A lot of very wealthy families have jets. They've always had jets. They grew up with jets. It's just how they live. So if you refer to flying in a business jet as a luxury, you have undermined your own credibility. Because of them, it's not a luxury. It's, it's a staple. Yeah, it's how they live. Okay, so a lot of being able to take a business, as you are talking to our business owners tonight, is being able to understand that concept. Um, I think there was a book I read years ago, and it was said it was a it was a marketing book. It says if you want to go fishing and and be successful, you have to think like a fish. I if I hear you correctly, what you're saying tonight is. You have to understand how to think like the customer who does exist in the, in the what to us would be the luxury market, but to them is not luxury. Yeah, you don't really sell to a wealthy person. You match values and fascinate them. And this is something that every retailer um, can, can um, leverage for their business. Another, one, another pillar is scarcity. If you have a 1,000 of them and they're available everywhere, it's really tough to make margin on it. But if there aren't that many and you have them, then you can make a great margin on them. So this is part of the Blue Ocean strategy. Find the products that others don't carry and then make, make a good uh, number on it. That's, so an that's a fundamental – go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. I say, so an example in the non-luxury market would be if you were a, a, a hardware store and you have a customer who comes in and you're finding some new gadget, widget, something that does something, you know that you have customers who come in and are fascinated by every little new tool out there and they may buy it and it may sit on their workbench for two or three years Never used, but they might need it someday, but they bought it because they were fascinated by the tool. Yeah. It's called return on cool. What's your ROC? Everybody's got to have those ROC products. Got it. Before we take a, a station ID, that I'm a couple minutes late, I have one question I want to make sure that I get in tonight. And... Uh, this this person says uh, they own multiple locations, and they are all, when I say multiple, more than two, uh, they're within a 100-mile radius of each other. With 
um, with each one is in a very different demographic, uh, ranging from very poor to very affluent. So the person says, it always amazes me how it doesn't seem to matter on how well some higher tickets sell at locations. He'd like your thoughts. Sure. Are we going to take a break now? Or do you want me to no, start to answer that? No, you go first, because I, I know he's listening to the show tonight. Let's do him, and then we'll do the station break. I'll just, I get things a little out of, out of order tonight. That's okay. So tell my friend what, what your thoughts are from his multiple locations and the, uh, the issue of the uh, high-ticket items in each of them. Consumers, if you create desire, and if they trust you, they will buy high-ticket items even though theoretically they aren't made for you. Um, two stories to that. Uh, the, the first one, I, I gave a speech at uh, it's Asim Acadia, which is, which is a um, Latin American conference. Um, I was in Medellin, Colombia, and a gentleman after my speech, the presentation, the entire uh, conference was on pricing. A gentleman came up afterwards and said to me, I really enjoyed your presentation, even though 90% of the people that we serve are, live in abject poverty. So, yes, you can sell those individuals more expensive product because you have created a desire, you've fascinated them, there's a return on cool, there's something that's magnetic about certain products and certain brands that people just want to be a part of. So that, does that explain why I drive down the highway and I see a, for lack of a better word, trailer park, mobile home community, and see a brand new Cadillac sitting out in front of a... For, not politically, a trashy trailer. Is, is that what it is? We don't, that's where we placed our our fascination was the idea, like, I always wanted to have a Cadillac or something to that effect? My gut is that has to do with status. Uh, everybody would like to have something nice. And in this case, they chose to buy a Cadillac. It, it's, and, and this is really important. Anybody can afford one nice thing whatever it may be. They may not be able to afford every nice thing, but they can afford one nice thing. And it's your job as a retailer is to identify that and serve them with it. So this would be like walking into a, uh, a store, just a plain old ordinary store, no high end, and seeing a person working in the store Carrying and, and you know they are entry-level worker who's carrying and writing with a Mont Blanc pen. That, that happened to be what fascinated him. That's their luxury item. Yeah, yes. That's a very good example. Okay. Let's take our bottom-of-the-hour station break. Our guest, this fascinating person who's answering got all these wonderful answers to these questions we have tonight, his name is Chris Ramey. As you can tell, Chris's area of expertise is dealing with the, the affluent customer and in the luxury, the, the luxury marketing style format. If you would like to visit with Chris, his email is cpr at thehometrust.com. And his phone number is 561-876-8000. Uh, 
1-800-242-8677. And with that, we take the bottom of the hour station break. song is Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Chris, why are we playing that song? Because we do. If you're a retailer, don't you want to grow? Don't you want to find new ways to do business? Don't you want to be better? I mean, every retailer should be driven to get better every day. That's why you and I exist, Tom. To help that happen. Well, and I so wish there were more who were who felt that way. Well said. So Chris Ramey's our our guest tonight. I have a question. It's, it's actually a two pointer. Uh, Chris and I had talked about this a, a week or so before, and I had to ask him. I said, "Explain to me your answer," and it dealt with the the uh, the aspect of what is it that really matters to my best customers. Let me ask you just to run with that a little bit, please, Chris. Sure, my pleasure. Um, your product, like your brand, should resonate with your clients. What, where are the pain, point, pain points and how can you solve them? If you do that, people will be loyal to you, loyal to you forever. Uh, I have a client who... Uh, and she, she ran for political office at one time, and uh, she targets only Republicans. It's okay that that in, in this market, this particular market, it is heavy Republican, but let's say it's 60% Republican. She is matching values, and by using a Ronald Reagan quote, she's relating to them. So how can you relate to your clients? It doesn't matter if you target Republicans or target Democrats or target Antifa. Find what matters to them, and then drive it home. So let me ask you the question backwards. You mentioned customer loyalty, wanting to earn customer loyalty. I'd like your thoughts 
there's an issue that I see. Uh, it deals with for the, what do we call ourselves, the middle America type of thing, and their concern for customer loyalty. My two favorite examples are people who sell bicycles and people who sell sewing machines. Now, most of the world, if I told you that a good high-end bicycle was $15,000, you would go, oh my gosh, how could you spend $15,000 on a bicycle? Just like if I told you you could spend 20000 on a sewing machine, you got a lot of people go, how in the world can you spend $20,000 on a sewing machine? I go, and it's for your home. But the question I have asked audiences that are these people selling things, I said, how many of you have a customer and they own this item, this high-end item, and the sewing machine is sitting in a guest bedroom not being used, or the bicycle is hanging in a garage not being ridden? How many of you believe that you have such a customer? And I get about 100% responses to, yes, I do. And then I get a little snippy and I go, shame on you. Shame on you. What we have a problem here is not customer loyalty, but we have a problem of you don't have loyalty to your customer. When you sold them that $20,000 sewing machine, what did you tell them they could do? And what are you doing to teach them more up to how to use the machine? The person who's got the $15,000 bicycle, what are you doing to engage that person to get them to ride the bike, to come to events at your store? Tom Shea wonders sometimes if the problem with customer loyalty is we don't show loyalty to our customer and deliver what we promise. Is there any substance to that? Very little. No, I'm joking. You could look at <laughs> REI. Sorry. You let yourself open for that. You could look at REI, and they, whatever products they sell, what they're really selling is the experience of using them. So there, there's a lesson for that. The problem is it's like your New Year's resolution. You can sell someone who pays more than they need to for a bike, if they don't use it, that's not the retailer's fault. It's the consumer's fault. You have satisfied a need by selling them a product that may be more than they need, if you will, but somewhere the desire is there. Nobody spends more than they need to unless they're fulfilling a dream, right? So I wouldn't be too hard on the retailer. What I would say is there are opportunities to leverage that product so they buy more from you, and what might the, that be? Because that's what REI has done very successfully. And REI has very, very loyal customers. Be, it becomes more than the product they sell. It's the lifestyle. So let's ask a COVID-related question, Chris. What's the number one thing that you would tell our audience for sustaining their business right now?
That's a, that's a very tough one because every category is different. I, I would advertise more than ever before because Americans are fragile and you can open their mind up a little bit more. And secondly, I would cut every other cost I could and I would get on a very granular level down to the basics as to why you exist. And what can you do if you only have half the customers walk in the door, what can you do to serve this customer in such a way that they spend twice as much as they would have otherwise? We've got people who are listening tonight and hearing your thoughts, your ideas, and then they're, they're turning around and saying, I've got a problem with that because I've already got customers who are telling me, my prices are too high. You're too expensive. Or the worst one I've ever heard is the person who says, you know, I shop you because I want to support local. Uh, and it's like, well, is it there something else? Don't you want to shop me because you like me or because I've got good prices or I've got, I'm convenient or something? You're shopping me. Is this like out of guilt or something else? So in, in looking at that, when a person is hearing that, that you know, your prices are too high, what are you going to tell them? First off, we have conditioned consumers to think prices are too high. So if, your price, if they think your prices are too high, uh, mark them up another 10% because we want them to say, they, we, want, we don't want our customers to be liars. <laughs> okay. You think I'm kidding, but give yourself some room. What happens when you go to a car dealer and they say, and the salesman says, and they all say this, if I can get this price for you, would you buy it right now? And they already know they can. So find ways to bring value and honesty to your clients. Don't be afraid of price. That comment alone is a buying signal. Leverage it. You're saying it's a buying signal that they want that they're going to make a purchase. Yes, they're saying I want to buy this. Do something about it. So load your price so you can. Now you can't do that with you know staples everybody buys, but it's the other stuff. You know. Um, grocery retailers are some of the smartest guys out there. Um, fresh market. They have specials different days, and people go and they buy the special, but then they buy other stuff too. So uh, it's Thursday night. We went to Fresh Market to buy their $5 pizzas because they're delicious. Oh, and we spent another $100. You can give away one item if you get two other items at full margin. Never underestimate the value of convenience. They're there. They'd much rather buy from you, and they'll pay more. Now, let's also address this. I, I like to shop local. The difference between you retailers who are local and the big box stores is the big box stores serve their stockholders. As a local retailer, you serve your community. So the store doesn't close at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, you go out 
and you network and you work with philanthropy and you do other things to build your community. Because by doing that, others will see you and become loyal to you even though they, you don't even know they exist or are about to buy your product. Your is that along the lines of the, that baseball thing we see where people say, hey, this is the people, this local business is the one who supports your Little League baseball team? Sure, that's part of it. You know, Tom, I'm no spring chicken, but I can tell you if I get buried, if I die this week, I want Fry Vogel Funeral Home to handle, the, uh, handle it because I played on their Little League team for three years, and I'll never forget the brand. How can, you, how can you take your brand and so embed it in the mind of your customers, whether it's their children and their adults, that they never forget you? Mm-hmm. So you talk advertising, Chris. What do you think about anything that is um, direct mail, if you're sizable or there's a regional magazine, uh, I, I say this somewhat sarcastically, if you still have a local newspaper, I mean, I live in Arkansas at this point, our local newspaper doesn't print daily anymore, not, not unless you're right there in the metropolitan area. Did my you, whole life. You know now, what you call residents? You want the daily newspaper uh, type pod. I, I I understand. I, I you know what you call a a uh, residence of a city without a daily newspaper? Lucky. No. <laughs> we have a daily newspaper here, but it's not local. It's a, it it has our name on the masthead, but it's not local. We were fortunate. I, I live in Stewart. We we were unfortunate. We had the third person with this different strain of the European COVID-19. It wasn't even in our paper. You had to go to next door to find it. Uh, Why do I share that? Because there's an evolution of news and where you get your news. And newspapers are too late. Plus, so so is that a stay out of? It depends. Every every market is different. Every, Every... paper is different. It's the opportunity with digital is so profound today that if it's just hard to ignore. Um, but and, and by the way, there are stores that you, you want to look like a, you know, there's always this paradox. Small stores want to look big and big stores often want to look small. But a local newspaper reinforces if you're a local yokel. You don't, you may not be a category where you want to look like the local yokel. No, it's paradox. I, I, I don't mean that to be critical, but I don't see when, when you first, the first path to purchase, first step on the path to purchase is getting people to your internet, to your internet, you waste, to your website. So what do we want to do? We want to get people to your website. I, this is, this is for bigger ticket items. Independent retailer, Get them to your website. Have specials. Get them in your door. But you can retarget people who visit your website. You can say, "This is my perfect client. Uh, they drive a Lexus or they drive a Chevy, and you can only you can advertise digitally just to those who drive a Lexus or just to those who drive a uh, Chevy." 
fascinating. Our guest tonight, Chris Ramey of The Home Trust. Look at thehometrust.com. If you want to follow up with Chris, it's CPR at thehometrust.com. He's an expert, as you can easily tell, on <laughs> the luxury market and our affluent customers. Well, I think I can easily tell. I mean, just listen to the things you have to say. So we're going to take a quick moment, and I'm going to tell you about who's going to be here next month's program, okay? Joining us next month is going to be a good friend, trusted advisor, and very smart person, Ken Banks. Ken, are you with us for this program? Yes, sir. Tom, it's always good to talk to you, and I want to wish you a happy new year. Well, happy new year to you, my friend. I... Gee, I miss our frequent breakfasts, but now we're a little far apart from each other to get to drive and be together. But I do enjoy reading your monthly blog and the information that you share. And for the upcoming program, I want you to come and share with people all of your insight that deals with advertising. As I'm sure you're going to tell us that so much about advertising has changed since March of 2020 when the pandemic hit. What will you have for us in our next program? Well, you know, there's, since March of last year, uh, the entire world changed uh, in one way or another, and that certainly uh, has affected the business world in particular. And, and uh, a major effect of that is, you know, the way people have been marketing, uh, both, uh, you know, in media as well as uh, in their stores and their businesses, et cetera, and online. And what I thought is, as we looked, as I looked at uh, the holiday marketing over the, the past several weeks and came into the new year, um, I thought it would be good to take a look at, uh, you know, as I did on my uh, December blog, uh, at some people who, you know, looked at it as an, uh, an opportunity rather than as a, uh, a challenge to, uh, to get their message out there and strengthen their brand. And uh, also take a, you know, try to answer some of the questions that, uh, you know, I have heard over throughout the years, but particularly in a challenging year like we just had about uh, holiday advertising and marketing because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always a, a peak selling season for just about every product there is out there. And, uh, um, you know, as a result of that, you know, what, how can you get your market share during this thing? So I think part of it is uh, I thought I'd bring out some of the questions that I've heard uh, over the years as well as most recently and try to give you some answers as well as some examples uh, of people who, uh, companies that have said, you know, I don't care what you say, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to strengthen my brand. So uh, I've listed uh, several questions, but I thought we'd answer the most uh, relevant ones and, and give some insights into what it takes to be a more successful marketer. You know, it's, it's only a couple weeks or so since the, the peak of the Christmas selling season. But uh, so now's a good time to start thinking about what am I going to do right now that can affect uh, my business uh, almost a year from now. Sounds great. We have always enjoyed having you on the program in the past. Look forward to having you be with us next month as we're going to talk with Ken Banks and advertising him. Now we're going to get back to our guest for this month. So 
uh, we have another Floridian, oddly enough, because Ken Banks is in the Tampa Bay area, uh, and Ken is in the Retail Advertising Hall of Fame. So uh, another winner coming to join us in February to to discuss things for your business. We've got a few minutes left with our guest, Chris Ramey. Chris, um, let's look at the last 10 months. Customers, are they okay? Are they cranky? Are they mad? <laughs> what, what are you seeing and how does that affect us? Every category is different. So if it has to do with house, uh, they, they, they have been good to the retailers. If it has to do with food, maybe not so much. Uh, but the term I would use is fragile. Uh, we're, we're still fragile after the election. We are uh, fragile if we miss our families because we can't visit like we'd like to. And that means a fragile person is the best time for you to penetrate or embed your brand in their mind. Uh, we probably have, what, another six, nine, maybe longer months uh, before we're clear. Take advantage of that. Build your brand. Build desire for something important you sell or important to, the, to your prospects. Don't miss this opportunity. You know, in a year, you'll be on the show talking about what did we miss? What could we have done while the client was stuck at home? Think about what your service levels are. Compare them not to your competitors, but compare them to the Ritz-Carlton. Even if you're not serving high net worth individuals, elevate every single thing you do. Uh, look for ways to penetrate markets. Look for ways to build your community. Look for innovative ways to separate yourself from anyone else in your market who sells the same product. This there will never in our lifetime be a better time than right now. Well, that, that is so true, and I can tell everyone that when Ken Banks joins us next month, he is going to echo the same sentiment. Uh, if you want to get a, a head start, the, the website is KenBanks.com, and every year Ken goes through and uh, in his blog talks about what's the messages that businesses are are putting out there? Who are the ones that are doing the best job of finding ways to uh, connect with their customers? And tell me if this is a, it, where you see it, Chris. All the ones that I see on his list are businesses that are making an emotional tie to the customer, not a price connection to the tie to the customer. Price is nothing. It's all they know to talk about. It's what's in their heart. If you grab their heart, they'll grab their wallet. Ooh, well saying. That could be on a poster. <laughs> Let's put it another way. Don't don't reach for the don't reach for the wallet until you've penetrated their heart. Uh, it, it's it's just. Uh, it, 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 it is uh, just human nature. People do business with people they like. People do business with people who share the same values. So during the pandemic, one of the things that we have lost is 
getting to talk to people. I visited with a person yesterday who sent me a message this morning and said, I so enjoyed meeting you at this local restaurant. We're talking about a, a nonprofit we both are working with. And this person said, that is the first time since, I forgot how many months she mentioned, that she has sat with another human and had a conversation. And, and it's not like she's paranoid or something. She was just kind of being progressive. And, and she's had COVID, too. So she, I mean, she had several weeks where she was that lame. But what I'm saying is that with that missing human interaction, that time together, I think one of the things that's being lost is the word-of-mouth messaging about I had a great experience here, and it's being left to the social media if there's going to be any messaging giving out there. So I think my logic's right on the missing part of the word-of-mouth being out there. Uh, I don't think it's because it's transitioning away. I think it's because people can't get with each other. Um, so you know, to replace that... What do people do How, or, or to join into if it's a social media direction? What would you tell people? What do they need to be doing? Learning. Trying to figure out how to be a better business person. How to do something well that they didn't do before. We, we can't affect what we can't change. But find ways to do something for yourself. We totally, with our business changed, started changing our business uh, in, in March because we, the unknown was so pervasive to us. We just didn't know what was lie ahead. And so we changed everything. We, we changed all of our programs. And we're a far stronger company today because we didn't wait for things to get better. We made them better. And for every retailer out there, go make things better. Don't wait. If you have a retail store and you only need one person in it, but you have two people, get two people out making phone calls if they have to. Get them involved in the community. Find things for them to expand uh, your brand's exposure. Don't sit back and wait for this thing to end. Because God only knows. Last question of the night for you, sir. Books. Are there two particular books, since people are home more at this point, are there two particular books you would tell people, go find your local bookstore, don't order on Amazon, but find your local bookstore and get these books and read them? Um, yes, of course. I, I'm uh, looking for my Kindle. The, um, I, I would read anything by Clotaire Rapai. That's R-A-P-A-I-L-L-E. His newest book is Global Code. Always a fascinating read. Okay. He is a brilliant, brilliant mind. Um, after that, um, I just bought a book the other day, and it was recommended to me. And I, doggone it. It was so much easier back in the old days when you could look at it. But I have it on my Kindle. I want to say it's called Story Brand. Have you read, have you read that book? Um, story brand. I'm, oh, what is the one I'm reading? It's, it's not it's called a process. I can tell you everything about it. Like brand. 
Oh, see, a story brand. Yes, story brand. It's called Building the Story Brand by Donald Miller. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Great book. A, a good one. He, he, page seven. Yes. He he uses a comparison of how movies are successful because they have a certain sequence to them, and movies that fail don't have the sequence. And in selling your story, your brand to people, how you, you need to follow the sequence. Yes. Looking at the book as we speak right now. Uh, white cover with a red and white uh, megaphone. It says, clarify your message so customers will listen. Use the seven elements of great storytelling to grow your business. I, I, I'm up to yes, maybe... get past the seven pages, you'll love it. <laughs> you'll love it. I love it. I'm only on the seven... Uh, and it's not even seven pages on a Kindle, as you know. It's 18%. But anyway, good book. <laughs> I, I would... It would certainly you got that. That was good. Um, I would certainly recommend that. And Global Code by Clotaire Pai. You know, you know, there are very few bad books. What I will say: don't get hung up on social media and reading that crap all day, because everybody has a bias. Find something to really expand your brain, such as listening to your show. I'll throw you one last one. Um, I forgot where I first heard this, but I've said it so many times. And, you know, someone says, oh, that you're saying. I go, no, trust me, it's stolen from somebody. And that is the average small business owner does not read books. Maybe that's why they're average. Yeah. You are so true, Chris, that, they, they, that books do force you to open your mind and expand and think about things and try things, and you're not going to hear it on the nightly news, and you're not going to see it on Facebook. Great thinkers like Miller and the folks that wrote the Blue Ocean books do force you to expand and try something different. They're, they're, there's never any bit of pessimism to them. It's like, here's something that you can go make yourself better with. Here's something that'll make you not average. Yes, that's great. Last bit of instruction for us, sir. Just keep changing. The world is changing very quickly. Keep getting better. Old friend Bernie Madden used to say, get a little better every day. Our guest has been Chris Ramey from the Home Institute, uh, Home Trust, uh, thehometrust.com. Write to my friend Chris, CPR, at thehometrust.com. With that, we thank all of you for joining us for tonight. We thank Chris that he would take time off on this Thursday night to join us. This is the conclusion of the January 14, 2021 Small Business Conversations. Glad you're with us and hope you'll join us next month. Chris, we thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Tom. It has been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests next month right here on Small Business Conversations from Profits Plus Solutions. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Visit our website to learn more about us at ProfitsPlus.org. There, you will find our catalog of small business conversations, articles and advisories, news, meeting planners, calculators, and resources. Also, we invite you to connect with Profits Plus Solutions on our various social media channels. 
Please like or connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, SlideShare, Twitter, and YouTube. We have links to all our social media channels on our homepage at ProfitsPlus.org. Thank you for joining us.